Wait, let me make sure I get this right. I don't want to do another fucking correction. Hey everyone, welcome to episode six of the Bears and Brews podcast. I am Pam and I am joined once again by Charlotte. Hey guys. Hey. So this is episode six, but it's the second part of our discussion on mountain lions because there's just so much to talk about with them. So this is going to replace uh, this week's microbrewing, but that'll be back next week. And I'm actually really excited for what we're going to talk about with that. But Ooh, I can't wait. So this is your reminder again to go to fatbearweek.org and vote. I voted today. Did you? Yay! There was, yeah, I keep forgetting, but I voted today. And there was one that had gained so much weight, but also, I don't remember which one it was. He also, the angle of the photo made him look just like fucking massive. And I was yeah. like... You get my vote, and like ninety percent of people had voted for him. Oh, was it Grazer? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's a girl. Very funny the picture. She was just like sitting there in a pond, just like yep. massive. <laughs> yep. Before we get into where we left off, um, there is part of the story that we're going to tell in a little bit that where we talk about a certain coyote. Guess who I saw the other day in Yellowstone. Who'd you see? I saw that coyote, Limpy. Limpy. I love Limpy. I love Limpy, too. He's, like, just such a badass. He is such like, a badass. that coyote, he is a survivor. Like, not only does he have, like, three legs, but he just, like, I don't know. He's chased wolves away from his den, like to keep the babies safe like he's just like a badass and i'm like how do you tiny tripod coyote scare off wolves like that is impressive he's just he's a badass he's such a badass yeah i saw him this summer well i've seen him i guess i've seen him like four or five times this year counting when we saw him but i saw yeah he hasn't had any trouble getting food and bringing it back to the pups or any of the, or like his mate who we also saw that day um that was so cool yeah so he's just like such he's just so cool so he has all four of his legs he just doesn't use one of them but in this video that i took he's almost hopping like a rabbit <laughs> with like the his back legs it's very hilarious um, but you also have a mountain lion update. I do. So I was editing photos the other night because I'm a photographer and I needed something to watch. So I uh, pulled up Disney Plus on my iPad and a Nat Geo show, um, National Geographic show popped up on my algorithm. It was called Animals Up Close with Birdie Gregory. Um, and the first episode I saw was Patagonia Pumas. And I was like, oh, we were literally just talking about this. This seems like a good show to, you know, put on in the background while I edit. And I was just like entranced. It was so good. He's a, I think, British, because I can never tell the difference with the accent, but I'm pretty sure he's British, a British filmmaker, like wildlife filmmaker. And so he did some interviews and took some really cool footage of these Pumas down in Patagonia in Argentina. And it was really interesting um, 
the uh, the episode it talked a lot about like different things with pumas um and cougars mountain lions etc um but one thing that really stuck out to me was they talked about how livestock guardian dogs are an alternative to puma human conflict this so he was talking to this farmer who started a breeding program and then donates his livestock guardian dogs to other farmers um and he said that they were killing like a ton of pumas and then just killing them when they saw them because they and he was losing 40 percent of his sheep every every year like that's i mean how can you even make a living when you're losing half your sheep that's that's a problem yeah it's a huge problem um and so and so he started getting he got these livestock guardian dogs and he said he's given some dogs to a large farm uh relatively close by um and that they were killing um a hundred pumas a year to protect their sheep he gave them a livestock guardian dog and her six puppies and they lost two sheep in six months um wow and it showed yeah right like and it showed a um he did some video the filmmaker did some video of he wanted to you know see the dogs at work and so they have this nighttime video so it's like heat censored and you can see the puma like coming down the mountain towards the sheep pen um or pasture whatever <laughs> um and you can just see the the guardian dogs they're they're just asleep with their sheep and then like and the puma hops the fence into the pasture and the dogs immediately get up run to it and chase it away and it run it runs away like the dogs work it was literally in the pasture with them didn't take a single sheep that's so awesome it was so cool and it's like that is such a peaceful way to deal with it like we can Mm -hmm. protect these endangered species and also protect human livelihoods we just have to get a little creative well the thing is it i was thinking about this the other day sorry to just like steamroll you there no you're good but i was thinking about this the other day Back before we even had things like modern fencing or guns or any of that, right? For thousands and thousands of years, Native Americans were able to achieve, obviously not on the same level with these huge, huge pastures, pastures, but agriculture and livestock, you know, what that wasn't a white person thing that, you know, that we brought over. Um, but they had ways of dealing with this and reducing conflicts you know that didn't involve poisoning and just shooting everything on site and things like that so we are getting creative but we're also looking back at what has historically worked for people who want all of nature to be around well and it's more effective too that was something that i found really interesting like throw a couple dogs in its instinct pretty much takes over they said they put they put the puppies in with the sheep at eight weeks um with an older dog or two and they they figure out the job they don't have to really do any training and it's so much more effective than shooting the pumas and then the pumas live i mean i'm not an expert on this but i'm willing to bet that part of the indigenous um indigenous cultures management of these you know wild cats um and and threats to their livestock in general i'm betting dogs were a big part of that yeah they're you know they have found um 
like old caves with human remains in them, you know, um, 15, 20,000 years old with what turned into modern dogs remains with them, like sleeping in these caves with them. So we know they were at least around quite a lot helping out. And, you know, when you're just shooting everything, it doesn't really solve the problem because another mountain lion is just going to come in. That's or one like, of the things that with- talked about the show. It said that mountain lions, the way they work is when one lion is disposed of the other, another male will come in and claim that territory as his own. So if you're just shooting everything on site, it doesn't solve the problem. And now we just have dead mountain yeah. lions. Yeah. And it's kind of like we'll talk about it more in the coyotes episode, but these eradication kind of programs and killing contests and things like that, they literally don't work because of how coyotes reproduce. Salome and I were talking about Karelian bear dogs, right? Like there's so many different things, what dogs are not, where you have these non-lethal ways and it just benefits everyone. It does. And I, I don't know. It was just really interesting to see it. I urge everyone it's on disney plus um animals up close with birdie gregory and it's the first episode patagonia pumas awesome i'm gonna watch that this weekend if i have time so last week we ended talking about sister coogs sister wives and sharing territory how they they'll kind of go anywhere that ungulates are and that's one reason why they're so widespread also, right? Because they'll eat any of those. That makes sense. Their favorites, favorites, they love deer and elk, <laughs> but they'll eat like marmots, hares, they'll eat mountain lions. Oh my God, I saw. Wait, mountain lions or, will eat sorry. other mountain lions? <laughs> I was like, whoa. Okay. The males, the males will kill cubs like bears do, but I meant mountain goats. Oh. <laughs> I meant mountain goats. Uh, in fact, a few, like a month or so ago, someone posted this video. They were in Yellowstone. They were by, do you remember where we saw the moose tree? Oh, right by where we saw our lion. Oh, okay. Yeah. But no, somebody was watching a family of them. So there were little goat kids and they were like bouncing around, you know, on the mountainside. And one of the babies, one of the kids fell I didn't quite stick the landing and it fell. And this girl was recording the whole time. I'll try to find That's it. lucky. <laughs> Nobody really knew before if they ate mountain goats, but and people had started to catch them on like game cameras and shit. But this girl was recording through her scope and this this mountain goat kid fell and like hit hit the ledge or whatever. And a fucking mountain lion comes darting down and grabs it and runs off with it. And she caught it all on video. I mean, it's really far away. So it's like grainy and stuff, but you can totally tell what happened. I want to see that video. That is nuts. (laughs) The cool thing is, dude, it might be the same exact lion we saw. It probably was the same lion. (laughs) So there's only about like... 35 or 40 mountain lions in Yellowstone total and the spot where that girl got that video as the crow flies was probably only two miles oh it's where gotta we saw be ours. the same lion so it probably is the same one which is so badass that's cool <laughs> it's like our lion our cougar <laughs> so they do um they like stalk and ambush 
unlike like wild dogs who, you know, chase and take down. So their whole thing is ambush and they will cache them like bears do. So they'll cover them up for a few reasons. They don't want a bunch of other animals coming in, but also it preserves them longer right if they kind of half bury them and their feeding pattern I would say all animals do that really like wolves do that too don't they um they don't really cache them like am i just remembering something from a long time ago (laughs) well bears do it and you're probably you've probably seen video of a cached carcass with both on it because a bear cached it but wolves don't usually cache like that they don't usually like have bury them So their feeding patterns are one reason why they're so valuable to ecosystems. So their kill sites feed the highest amount of other species ever recorded. Damn. Okay. Well, and we sort of witnessed that a little bit when we were... uh, Absolutely. I mean, not even a little bit. We did literally witness that. There were at least three different species on that one bighorn. So, yeah. So this, um, they set up over 900 trail cams. And they found that these kills had um, up to 39 different species, so that's mammals and birds, scavenging on lion kills. Damn. Because they're, like, doing the stalk and ambush, they're not expending a ton of energy, and they only have to feed themselves and their cubs, and sometimes a sister kook, right? So it's not like a wolf pack where they have to take down animals all the time. Feed 20 20 different animals. Yeah. So they'll kill something and it'll be a carcass for like two weeks that they're feeding off of. Right. So it's a lot more time. And then as it starts to decompose, even being cached, everyone's going to smell it and they start to come in. So that's kind of why I personally think that. But I, I have no basis for that. Like the study didn't really talk about why they thought that. Gotcha. So, yeah. So their kills feed a ton of different things. And, you know, that's super cool. Even like beetles, like all sorts of shit that, you know, it's not just like coyotes coming in. Okay, we sorry. Here we go. Let's do it. I was going to say we saw we saw two other species in addition to the mountain lion. We saw three. But three coyote, raven, mountain lion. Magpie. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, yeah. So we saw, but but we didn't see whatever and little animals and bugs. But there were probably like other like mice or something that fed on that. So what we're finally alluding to, we're fine finally going to get to this story. Charlotte came out in April to do a winter northern range Yellowstone trip. We will post these pictures with this episode that we that you and I took. Um, but we were driving out through Lamar Valley and we saw a bighorn sheep carcass on a ledge and it wasn't there the night before. Pam goes, oh, that looks cool. Let's get out. There's a pull off right up here. But I, I just have a feeling about this. And she was like, do you want to? And I was like, you know, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just happy to be here. I really don't care what we do. Um and so we got out and we we're like, uh, do we really want to walk that far? It wasn't that far, guys. It was like maybe a quarter mile. Um, but we pulled off at the pull off and we went there and we were like, I think there was one other person there. And we were there like, there was a couple. Yeah, we were watching this bighorn and watching this raven and magpie eat it. And we we're like, oh, let's watch this for a little bit. And then coyotes came along. So we watched them and 
then someone was like, holy But they shit. wouldn't touch it, remember? They they wouldn't touch it. And we were all like sitting there waiting for them to touch it. They were circling it. Limpy is a famous coyote in Yellowstone. He was like just walking, like circling it, how yodeling to other coyotes to tell them there was food and stuff. But we we're like, why isn't he eating it? And someone goes, holy shit, there's a mountain lion. We go up and then like what there was only maybe six or seven of us tops and then something scared limpy and he like ran down and went in the road in front of us and stuff like that and we just sat there frozen letting him do his thing because sometimes there are exceptions y'all we were literally we were on a guardrail on a pretty sheer slope like sitting on the guardrail so we were not moving we were just gonna sit there and wait for limpy to pass us by <laughs> yeah and there to your point that we you were talking about the other day with me is there were so many people watching i think if we all would have tried to scatter it would have just been a lot worse than just letting him letting him dictate the situation right but yeah that's we were definitely 25 yards away which is the legal thing for those kinds of not animals from limpy no n- not when he did it but i mean when we when we not when he did it yeah when we set up shop and we're watching oh yeah no and they were up on a like ridge they were it was up ways yeah so limpy runs off and one of the dudes next to me him and his buddy he's a wolf guy in alaska they start scanning like why would this coyote run off from this fresh kill and yeah and just like you said he said oh my god there's mountain lion i almost like pissed myself like i (laughs) i thought i would never see a wild mountain lion in my life without using pounds yeah he was hanging out behind this tree watching his kill from the night before he was just chilling he was taking a nap but like only like in and out of a nap because he was keeping an eye on it from those coyotes he did not want them to have it uh that was really cool we watched him for what like an hour and a half we sat there at least an hour and a half long enough for both of us to get super sunburn super sunburn in (laughs) april there were coyotes behind us there was three wolves to the southeast of us yeah that's right at some point a golden eagle landed in the tree above this coyote or above the lion i was like am i fucking snow white what is happening here like all of these animals are just appearing my bighorn brings all the boys to the yard it was to be able to just set up my spotting scope and just watch him instead of just like a fleeting moment of him running across the road or something to just it was so cool be in his presence was so humbling and meaningful and spiritual for me i mean i've talked about it before of like i'm a pretty hardcore like atheist in the scientific way but i but when you are in the presence of things like that it does something to you we are all part of the same world and same ecosystem and we are not the only ones here and i don't know it was just very cool it was like a little bit magical it was so magical i just kept hitting you and being like oh my fucking I, god she did. <laughs> oh my fucking god this is once in a lifetime the number of times she said that <laughs> i just couldn't i still can't believe it but yeah that was our experience and that every time i drive by that spot which is frequently um i just i look at that little ridge right that little cliff right on the road and i just like it just all comes back like it's so warms your heart (laughs) yeah i just love it anyway okay all right let's move on um so let's talk about threats um this is probably our shortest 
threats segment so far. Normally, I go off on quite the tangent about threats to animals. Uh, this one only really has one. I'll give you two guesses. Humans. Yes. Fucking people. So habitat loss due to human expansion, mining, logging, stuff like that. Actually, this is a side note, but um, there was a mine proposed right outside the north entrance of Yellowstone. And the Greater Yellowstone Coalition, that is an amazing nonprofit, they did this. They struck a deal with the landowner and basically said, if we come up with this much money, can you just let us buy it? So they grassroots raised over six million dollars damn okay and bought the land and now it is that's awesome though i know and so it's yeah so it's preserved and it's not going to be a mine that's awesome so the big the big problems for for lions are it's not even like human expansion and stuff like that it's Bounty hunting, trophy hunting, trapping, that's the one that really gets me. So Utah, a few months ago, they passed a bill that basically lets anybody 12, 12 years old and up trap mountain lions any time of year, almost anywhere. And they don't have to put up signage. And they already don't have many. There's not a lot in Utah. Yeah. Dogs are going to get caught in that. People are going to get caught in that. So when this like bill was up, up for consideration... Hunters, trappers, and their associated organizations were against it. Okay, that says a lot. Yes. So everybody, so it's not just like, oh, the tree huggers and that kind of bullshit. Literally everybody, the actual people who trap for a living, actual hunters, so many people were like, this is bad for Utah for all these reasons. And they still Did passed it. Pass? Yep. Ugh. So fuck that. And, you know, it's so harmful for so many species, especially there's so many times where you don't have to put any signage up or you don't have to check on your traps for like days at a time. So if you. What if a kid wandered into it? Dogs, humans. I mean, yeah. Okay. Look, it's just like with anything else. I touched on this a tiny bit before um, in another episode, but yes, predators sometimes kill livestock and pets okay yes that happens if anybody is saying it doesn't they're delusional and they are just not accepting reality yes mountain lions sometimes kill livestock yes they sometimes kill pets on very rare occasions they attack humans but like i've said before on the show wildlife being wild is part of living in these areas. It's part of living in any area. We are also, you know, quote unquote wildlife, right? Like we're just a different species. And I just, it pisses me off that sometimes people, people think humans are so special or that we're not like other mammals. And it's like, you know what separates them from us? Buildings. So I'm going to link something from the Cougar Fund, which is the organization I was talking about. But they have like a conflict prevention and coexistence page, and it has all these initiatives. So good on them for that education. We don't want to shame people, right? Like people, they hear these things their whole life. We don't want to make anybody think they think these things because they're dumb or, you know, anyone's talking down or anything like that. Like, I want people to know that they are heard. Like, I've said it before, ranchers are paramount. They are very important. And when people just straight up refuse to listen to them, that's not going to get us 
anywhere, right? Yeah. Well, and most people are doing the best they can with the information they have at the time. Exactly. Most people. Not everyone, but most people. And the Greater Yellowstone Coalition um, actually does a lot of this stuff to work with ranchers and farmers and stuff like that. Um, But livestock guardian dogs, they will keep damn near anything away. Um, there and there's a lot of different breeds that do it. I know someone. I know someone who got one. He's like ten months old, and she got him specifically for like her goats and chickens. And she's it's decreased the problems almost to nothing. Yeah, I mean, because it's going to work for foxes. It's going to work for wolves. It's going to work for bears. Literally, livestock guardian dogs are scary as shit. They are, and they don't fuck around. They do not fuck around. Also, in some cases. Um, is it donkeys? Donkeys keep coyotes away. Really? Yeah. So sometimes you'll see like a herd of whatever and you'll see like a couple random donkeys in there with them. Yeah. So another thing is like different kinds of fencing. And another another thing too it, to think about, and I know this can be a little controversial, but houndsmen. Yeah. Um, there are people in different states that are like licensed houndsmen and... A good houndsman is going to, you know, take care of his dogs really well, but they're also not just going to want to be bloodthirsty and want to go kill stuff. Like, there are houndsmen who get hired to run lions off. They don't ever hurt it. Right. They just scare the shit out of it so it doesn't come back using their dogs. And coon hounds and catahoulas, those dogs will scare off just damn near anything well one of my dogs is 80 pounds he's the size of a mountain and and they're loud as hell so like yeah i mean so there's ways to go about doing it using animals a couple other ways um different kinds of fencing right electric fencing other kinds of fencing but yeah so there's like initiatives where you can get some of this fencing for free people will even come put it up for you um another thing and this is happening this is getting really big in colorado before the wolves get reintroduced is range riders so these are people who ride around on horseback and like patrol these large swaths of land and scare off predators on what a great job for horses too and people who love horses i mean i love riding i would love that job to get paid to go riding that would be amazing. Helping a lot of animals, a lot of people, the environment as a whole, the, you know, that's that's really cool. Yeah, because I don't what I never want to do is like discount. If somebody is having an issue, I don't want to gaslight them and say it's not an issue. Yeah, it is an issue. There are just alternative solutions. Exactly. I want to provide those. I want to help provide those solutions so another thing that's really big is carcass removal um there are times when whether it's livestock or not a carcass is not removed in a timely manner which then draws in more of these predators and scavengers oh that makes sense um and then there are areas where so you can usually get um you can get like a predation tag where you can legally kill an animal that's um, preying on your livestock. And you can also, the federal government will give compensation. But there are areas, there's states where they have these laws passed that uh, you have to try non-lethal deterrence before you can do a lethal one legally and before you can get compensation. 
for any predation. I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. And I also don't really have an issue of if an, if a like, let's say a mountain lion, just because we happen to be talking about them, even though this is probably not particularly mountain lion behavior. But like if a mountain lion is actively taking down one of your sheep, go ahead and shoot it. But if you seek that mountain lion out later, not during an incident, that would bother me right. more. If you could somehow prove that the same exact amount... Okay, so I'll give you an example. I'm not going to like plug it or anything, but there's a show and there is a mountain lion or there's like a houndsman on it, right? And there's a specific mountain lion in his area that has a physical characteristic that makes that lion identifiable. And so you know it was this lion that did this because of that physical characteristic. So if you can say, yes, I have it on my trail cam or whatever, that this exact lion killed four of my sheep, then I don't have a problem with you going out and finding that same lion. But you better goddamn know it's the right one when you pull that trigger. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. Just do it if it's actively happening, you know? And then there's no he said, she said either. No one's got to worry. Just like, I mean, in terms of if it's smart to do it, just, Right. Well, because one of the barriers, one of the barriers to getting compensation from the government for predation like that is you have to prove that it was killed by what, like a lion or a wolf or a coyote, whatever. Now, it's expensive to prove that. It's not, I mean, sometimes you can just get a game warden out and they'll look and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll sign it, whatever, because it's pretty obvious. But it's also a lot of fucking work and it's very time consuming. And I totally understand that you're not going to want to go through that whole rigmarole every single time. Um, but there, I guess my point is there are ways to make everybody happy and to keep. Right keep livestock humans pets wildlife healthy and safe and just have to get a little creative yeah and and you have to be willing to get creative yes you have to be willing to and and if if it doesn't work then i don't have a problem with that specific animal being removed from the ecosystem right but i think to have healthy ecosystems those should be the main times when we remove wildlife from ecosystems you know, right. I mean, and ecosystems in general will balance themselves out. Right. And so why are we doing it artificially? That's just fucking things up. Agreed. So there are ways to make it work. Right. And I think shouldn't we want that? Like, why doesn't someone want that? Why don't some of these ranchers want that? You know, I'm not saying all ranchers are like that, but I just don't understand. I think they do. I think I think they do. I think the problem is, um, especially with like ranching in particular, the margin is very slim. Right. And so any kind of time, effort, money taken away from that is like direct impact. I guess that makes sense. It's not like they're banking all this money. It's like right. they have to put so much money into this operation. They're only getting a tiny bit of it back. And so, right. yeah. And so for them to feed their kids, pay their mortgage, they don't want to be dealing with this kind of stuff. And, right. and to be fair, a lot of people who hate wolves or hate cougars or whatever are fine with them in national parks. And it doesn't really make sense to me, so I'm not really trying to defend them. I'm just, I'm really trying to 
empathize a little so we can all come to some fucking solutions here, right? But you're really good at that. Oh, thanks. I try really hard to to do that. Um, well, it's not helping anyone if, you know, we're just like, oh, all these fucking ranchers or all these fucking tree huggers. Like, it's like, let's figure out. How and we that's can... all there is. I feel like that's all there, that all there is right now. But yeah, so, you know, it's but animals don't know. They don't know what a country line is. Yeah. Or a, much less a national park. Yeah. So a couple plugs that I want to give um, before we go is Cougar Fund. I've talked about it a ton. Um, the Coyote Project. They have a huge thing about mountain lions. The podcast I was talking about, Voices of Greater Yellowstone, and that is put on. I'm excited to listen to that. Dude, you should. I'll send it to you. So it's put on by the Greater Yellowstone Coalition. And the episode that I'm talking about is called Yellowstone's Resilient Cougars. And actually, so I heard it for the first time when it first came out, like, last winter and I re-listened to it today and I realized like a lot of the facts are the same and I was like oh that's weird and then I went and looked at a lot of the studies I was reading and a ton of them are in Yellowstone so of course the guy that they interview Dan Stoller he's the project leader of the Yellowstone Cougar project (laughs) and actually he's the new project leader of the Wolf Project because Doug Smith finally retired finally I I I say finally, not like I wanted him to retire. Just he's been right, just like, in that position for a really long time. Uh, getting old. <laughs> since like reintroduction. Um, yeah. That was yeah, in so the early 90s, late 80s? 95. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was later than I thought. I would have expected you to say like 1990. Well, that's when they got there. It started oh, earlier okay. than that. But yeah. But yeah. So then I, I was like, oh, we have a lot of the same facts. And then I was like, oh, wait, a you know, a lot of these studies happened in Yellowstone. He was literally one of the authors or like part of it. So, of course, a lot of the facts are going to be the same. Um, but the Mountain Lion Foundation, um, they have a really awesome website. They have an ebook that's free. It's called Cougar, the American Lion by Kevin Hansen. Ooh, I'll have to read that. Um, but on that website, too, and we'll link it in the show notes, but they have um, a story map, which I, I have not fucked around much with story maps, but... It's called Mountain Lions, a Crucial Species for Biodiversity. It is such a cool website to interact with and go through. Um, and it's a really like entertaining way to get information. And you're not just like sitting there reading just paragraph after paragraph. It's really, really cool. I'll send you the link um, specifically. Yeah, I want to check that out. Pam has all the best resources, y'all. Oh, because like this is literally what I do in my spare time yes. and for school. Not for work, though. Not for work yet. (laughs) Someday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then that Nat Geo article that we'll link as well. So um, I'm excited to read that. Yeah. um, Yeah. So uh, give us your feedback. Um, Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, share, share, share with a friend, share it to your stories. Yeah. I mean, I I'm doing this podcast because I love talking about this stuff and it's really fun to podcast. I would love to broadcast it to a much larger range of people just because I feel like it's really important information. But I'm going to do it even if we have 10 listeners. I don't care because I love it. Also, though, if people share, 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 guys, um, and you get more listeners, you know, Maybe you are able to to monetize, not to monetize necessarily, but to raise money for some of these organizations that do such great work that you love. Right. Like I would love I would love to do like a 
do a fundraiser for your sanctuary, you know? Like something like that, um, that can help like vital ground or like these, these place and these people that are doing these wonderful things. Um, anyway, yeah. So I want to give uh, thanks to ACAST for hosting and Christian Mills for our wonderful music. Um, if you are in the Salt Lake area, he very frequently has live gigs that are pretty fun to go to. Um, and I want to thank you for jumping in for Salome. And, you know, I wanted you on this episode anyway, because of our amazing story. Thank you for having me. I I love talking. I love learning. You know, you have, guys, if there's one thing that Pam's friendship has taught me, um, many things, but if there's one thing, it's all sorts of wildlife facts and it's gotten me interested in wildlife. So I'm excited that she's now able to do that for people who don't know her in real life. Well, thank you. Do you know next year we're going to be friends for 10 years? No fucking way. Yeah, next year. You're right. I got Starsky in 2014. That's how we met our hound dogs on Instagram. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Charlotte. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Bye, guys.